Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. Hello, and welcome to the Compliance Files podcast of the Compliance Institute. I'm Kathy Jacobs, former president of the Compliance Institute and experienced compliance professional, and it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. Marketing is a key process regulated by data protection and by the central bank, and marketers are one of the main users of personal data in any organization. Direct marketing has been regulated in a number of guises for many years, and the law and regulation has been subject to constant development and clarification. There are a range of penalties for non-compliance of marketing data protection breaches, and the potential for brand and reputational damage is significant. So I'm delighted to welcome as my guest today, Stephen Roberts. Stephen is head of marketing for Griffith College, where he oversees all the marketing, brand and promotional activities in the Irish and UK markets, managing their national marketing, digital PR and social media teams. Over the past 20 years, Stephen has held a range of marketing and senior management roles in Ireland and overseas. A certified data protection officer, he sits on the college's data protection committee, the Compliance Institute's Data Protection Information Technology Working Group, and IBEC's Digital Economy Policy Committee. Stephen also writes regularly for a range of national and international publications on data protection and marketing, including our own ICQ magazine. Stephen has written a book, Data Protection for Marketers, A Practical Guide, which was published in February of last year, 2021, and is here to discuss with me today the data protection issues as they relate to marketing. Welcome to the Compliance Files podcast, Stephen, and thanks for talking to us today. Thanks, Cathy, and it's a pleasure to be here today on the podcast. Getting stuck into the questions, Stephen, could you please recap for our listeners what the marketing rules are? and where they are found in the laws and regulations. Of course, Cathy, yes. And this is a very pertinent and and relevant um, area for marketers. So really data direct marketing, there's two aspects that marketers must consider in terms of data protection. The first of all is that if you look at the use of personal data, that's obviously governed by the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, and that's transposed into Irish law via um, the Data Protection Act 2018. Uh, additionally, there's another adjacent area, which is covered by the e-privacy directive at an EU level, and that's transposed into Irish law under statutory instrument um, 336 from, from uh, 2011. And that really covers the privacy of electronic communications. So why are we looking at that in, direct mar- in a direct marketing context? Well, because that would cover aspects such as email, the use of website cookies, SMS marketing, using, using mobile phones, for example. So two, two key areas that, that marketers would need to be very much aware of, e-privacy and the GDPR. Thanks, Stephen. So having set out where the law is, could you explain what are the key challenges for marketers when they approach their work in the context of GDPR and SI336? Sure. I think one of the first things to recognize is probably a little bit of a fear factor at play. You know, this would be outside the normal comfort zone of a marketer. Most of us will be focused on, you know, communicating on behalf of our our businesses and looking at our brands, the the reputational impact of the various communications we put out there. But I think increasingly marketers are becoming aware that 
data privacy and data protection is a core aspect that they need to be very fluent and comfortable with within their jobs. If you looked at some of the key challenges, I'd say, first of all, there's, there, it, it's, the, it's a question of adequate training. So like many different sectors, uh, the marketing industry would be experiencing the effects of the great resignation. As it's being termed, there's a lot of churn, particularly at junior and, 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 and mid-levels within marketing teams uh, and the companies they work for. So a key challenge is trying to make sure that there is a data privacy culture built into the organization, built into those marketing teams, and training is a fundamental component of that. And I think the other key challenge really uh, alongside that knowledge of data privacy and, and, and having it there as a living culture is balancing what can be done with what should be done. So marketers core focus is really on the growth of their business. And there's now over 8,000 marketing technology platforms available for marketers to use. So there's, there's never been more ways that we can interact with and use data on behalf of our businesses. But I think a key challenge is really how, how do you um, decide you know, what can be done and balance that against what should be done. And I think aspects such as data privacy by design and by default are, play a key role there. Thanks, Stephen. And what mistakes have you seen marketers make in trying to navigate these challenges? And how can compliance professionals anticipate and support their marketing colleagues, bearing in mind the three lines of defense model? Sure, Cathy. Well, I think a key thing is to try and avoid the mistake of data protection and data privacy being considered as an afterthought. And if I go back to some of our, our earlier discussion, and we were talking about, you know, the fact that marketers are very focused on how to grow their business. There are so many opportunities that I think sometimes a mistake that can be made is to rush ahead with those without necessarily thinking about the data protection implications of a particular project. And it's probably especially relevant now as we emerge from the outcome of, you know, of the lockdown and all, and all of the implications for people from working from home, many businesses are going through a digital transformation. And as part of that, their marketing teams are looking at some of those 8,000 different marketing technology platforms that are available. So I think a key thing is making sure that data privacy is baked in from the outset. And then when we look at the three lines of defense, really what you want to make sure of, and this is really where compliance teams can be especially helpful is, is obviously working with marketing leaders in the company to make sure there are effective controls, to make sure there's guidance and training and good levels of interaction between the legal and compliance and DPO teams and their marketers. And then also, I, I would say, regular auditing of data because it's marketing is one of those areas where we're always looking at opportunities for how data can be used in new and imaginative, imaginative ways on behalf of our businesses. Those would be some of the, I guess, the, the, the mistakes the marketers should be aware of and, and the challenges they should keep top of mind. So could you paint a picture of what good looks like in terms of data protection compliant marketing practices? Sure. I, I know I've mentioned it a few times, but, but I don't think it can be mentioned too many times that really regular training is key. Obviously, having good induction structures when new staff join, but also regular refresher training. For, for your existing teams as well. I think another aspect, and it's, it's something I've spoken about both in the book, but also in um, some of my interactions with um, on the various panels that I would speak on, is it, the importance of data champions. So if you've got a large team or a multinational team with a number of business units or a presence in a number of different countries, you can't expect that your compliance and DPO teams are going to have sight of everything. And really, if you can have a champion within 
your marketing team or the various marketing teams that are located internationally or globally. They can act as an advocate, keeping data privacy alive within the unit, acting as a liaison point with um, the DPO team, the compliance teams, et cetera. So that's on that side. We talked about auditing. I, I, again, I don't think that can be overemphasized. I think you have to know your data in, all, in order to be compliant um, with the GDPR. So that's a fundamental building block. Knowing the, the, the principles, sort of seven uh, principles of data protection and also the six lawful bases, I think they're two fundamental pillars. And I think if you can get those right within a marketing team, an awful lot of GDPR compliance flows from there. And then the last point I would say is just good record keeping, you know, clear processes, clear procedures. What do you do in the, in the event that there's an access request, subject access request? Do you know what the timelines are for responding? Do you know where the relevant data is held? Who's going to handle that request? How are they going to interact with the various teams within the business? So I think all of those would be good signs of an effective and, and compliant um, privacy culture within a marketing team. Stephen, so what made you decide to write the book and what are the key messages? Yeah, great, great question. Thanks, Kathy. Really, I think where it started was, as you said at the outset, I've 20 years experience working in marketing and, and I guess over the last decade and, and particularly the last five years, data protection has played a, a bigger part in that. We could all see the GDPR on the horizon pre-2018. So I have a, I have a deep interest in it. I obviously did the, the, the CDPO qualification, at the Compliance Institute, which was hugely valuable. And then I started to write articles on strategy, on marketing, on data protection. And I could see that there was a gap there for marketers for a, maybe a kind of a straightforward publication that would avoid maybe some of the compliance and legalistic terminology that they might struggle with a little bit because it's not, it's not their area of expertise, but that would provide useful case studies and examples that would help them embed GDPR compliancy within, within their organizations. And, and that's what I tried to do to, to give a, a very useful practical structure to the book using case studies and examples to, to try and um, expand on or, or, or more practically demonstrate how data privacy principles could be applied in practice. Great. So there's something for compliance professionals and marketers. Absolutely. Yes, I think it's a benefit to both. Absolutely. Great. Okay. And just going back to what we in compliance love, and that's the law and, and GDPR in particular mm. here. Mm. How do you see GDPR and data protection regulation developing in relation to marketing? Yeah, gr- great question. I think there's a couple of angles to this. The first one is, un- unfortunately, I think there is going to be more global complexity. I think it's very difficult to avoid that based on the trajectory we can see at the moment. And particularly for international, for teams with a multinational or an international footprint, we've already seen new laws being introduced in China, in Brazil, in California. There's not yet a a federal law in in the U.S., but certainly, as I mentioned, California and other states and local jurisdictions within the U.S. have introduced new privacy legislation. So it's important for marketers to keep on top of that. Another area where I think we will see further development is in e-privacy. Uh, the EU has long uh, planned to introduce a new e-privacy regulation. Originally, the plan was to introduce it at the same time as GDPR, but it, it got bogged down in, in kind of lobbying and some elements of disagreement at an EU member state level. But that really is needed to provide more clarity for businesses that are operating and, and marketing across the EU. Because at the moment, there is a slight misalignment between the e-privacy directive, which originated from 2002, and the GDPR. So I think that's certainly an area to watch. And what, what you're seeing in, in, in the interim, Cathy, is a lot of EU member states introduce their own local guidance and guidelines to try and bridge that gap 
which is great if you're only operating within that country, but if you're a marketer with a brief across multiple jurisdictions, you've got to keep in mind the GDPR and the local nuances that are happening with, for example, the Ireland's DPC, the Data Protection Commission, uh, released their own guidance back in April 2020. So I, I think you're going to see developments around that, developments around international data transfers, obviously another very uh, hot topic. And certainly I would love to see a bit more clarity on fines as well. I think it's very difficult for businesses from a, a risk profiling perspective when they're looking at the risk framework to, to ascertain where is the, the benchmark or the baseline for fines. Yes, and of course we have the you know UK and Brexit and, and we still don't really know what the UK's strategy in relation to data protection, whether it's divergence or close alignment, and it may not matter anyway, because if anybody wants to market into the EU, they're going to have to have to abide by GDPR anyway. So that, that's another complexity Absolutely. Um, that, that, that we really, we haven't got clarity on at all. Lots of mixed messages on it. What are the key data protection developments do you think are going to happen in 2022? What's, what's in the near term should DPOs be looking out for? Well, a, co- a couple of them we, 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 we touched on there earlier in terms of the privacy regulation. It would be lovely to see some progress on that. Uh, and similarly on, on fines, I think the GDPR is still at a relatively early stage. So alongside these kind of eye-watering kind of high profile fines that you've seen for WhatsApp and Amazon and others at an EU level recently, I think smaller and mid-sized businesses are trying to get a sense of, and their, and their compliance teams trying to get a sense of what the profile is for, for fines you know, outside of those kind of land, landmark penalties that we're seeing and that are making the news. I think a lot of compliance teams and DPOs would like to see more clarity around standard contractual clauses. I know we recently had new clauses introduced and there's a lot of repapering of existing contracts, but to me that still hasn't fully settled down. And also in terms of the transfer impact assessments and, and the other mechanisms that form part of that. I think the, the, the new regulatory strategy of the, um, of the new strategy of the DPC be interesting as for, for DPOs and compliance teams to see how that unfolds. And I think already you can get a sense that there's more engagement with small and medium-sized businesses and trying to provide guidance to them, which I think would be, is very welcome. And then lastly, it would be, it'd be very beneficial in the absence of a replacement for the EU um, US privacy shield if we could see more movement around other mechanisms such as codes of conduct and, cert, uh, uh, and certification mechanisms that would, uh, that would assist with international data transfers. So I think there's, we're, we're lucky in one way in, in that it certainly keeps things interesting, but there are, there are a lot of developments in this area and it is, it is an area that, that DPOs and compliance teams have to monitor on an, absolutely on an ongoing basis. And I, I would say one other thing, Cathy, and I, I didn't really touch on it at the time, but from a purely marketing perspective, there is a lot happening around the advertising technology sector. So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean by the use of third-party cookies, which are slowly being blocked by some of the world's major browsers. So Firefox and Safari have already blocked them. And Google Chrome, which is the dominant player globally, is due to do so next year. But those third-party cookies, which kind of track you around the, 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 the internet, they play a fundamental part in aspects such as programmatic or online advertising. And I think many marketers are trying to figure out, well, if those, if that structure or, or, or set of platforms disappears, how do I, what do I replace it with? And one of the things they're considering is an increased use of first party data, which is essentially data that you capture via your own website and digital platforms and offline platforms. And again, if marketers are considering that, 
they're going to have to look at data protection by design and default and bake in data privacy considerations from the outset as they build those strategies. Stephen, just probing a bit more this business of Firefox and Safari not enabling third-party cookies, and you mentioned that Google Chrome are going to disable from next year. Could you just explain for our listeners a bit more what the implications of that is? Absolutely, Cathy. Yeah, I think this is a really fundamental issue for marketers. So over the last number of years, marketers have been able to rely on third-party cookies to be able to supply them with very informed information and details on specific audiences so that they can then target them with particular ads about products and services that they might be interested in. The third-party cookie underpins that. And when Google Chrome, which is the dominant browser globally, I think it has about 65% of the market uh, worldwide, when that blocks it in 2023, essentially marketers are going to have to look at new ways of targeting online ads towards audiences they, they wish to reach. It's not surprising that this has happened because I think there has been deep privacy concerns in terms of the lack of transparency as to how third-party cookies take people's personal data, share them out through a system called real-time bidding, which essentially uh, real-time sharing out of the data to uh, on, on what is essentially an online auction place to loads of different suppliers who can bid to try and get their banner ad or whatever it might be in front of uh, the particular person uh, whose data is being sent. And I know uh, experts such as Dr. Johnny Ryan and Dr. Augustine Fu have highlighted the issue of this kind of lack of transparency when you look at it versus GDPR. So marketers are considering, well, what other options do, do, do I have, do we have? And one of them, as I say, is this first party data strategy, which essentially means how do I, how do I make better use of the data that my own marketing activity is generating via website or even offline activity. But I think because it's so, it's, it's so technical and complex, and it's something that even the information commissioner's office in the UK and the Canil in France and other supervisory authorities have highlighted for a number of years, because of that lack of transparency, I think it may actually have avoided the radar of compliance teams and DPOs and, and may only now really be, be getting properly examined. But there are certainly data protection and data privacy issues around that current use of those cookies. So uh, a big development for, for the next couple of years for, for marketers to consider. Yes, definitely, Stephen. Thanks. Thanks for that. So for a marketing leader, and this is our final question, for a marketing leader or a team wishing to upskill in data protection, what advice would you give them how to go about, you know, kind of onboarding that really important knowledge um, for them to do their job? Yeah, um, it, it's it's a good question, Cathy. And it's really, my suggestion would be, you know, obviously GDPR, there's, there's 99 articles. It can be kind of a bit forbidding to, to try and consider it. I, I would say, you know, start slowly and build iteratively. So take take one step at a time. The best place to start is with the lawful bases for processing and with the, the seven principles of data protection. So make sure everyone in your team knows that. Have regular training in place. Um, make sure people are comfortable with things like data protection impact assessments, which are basically a tool that allows you to bring to life the idea of data privacy by design and default by considering data protection issues from the outset of a project. I would return to that point I made about having data champions. I think that's hugely beneficial. And then around having documented processes as well. I think that's also absolutely vital and, and obviously a requirement under, under the GDPR. I would say for any marketers looking to extend beyond that, 
obviously the the CDPO qualification I, I found to be absolutely excellent in giving a, a really thorough grounding in data privacy. And then there are also many CPD events, many workshops and, and shorter courses that people can consider too. But that's what I would say, build iteratively. Rome wasn't built in a day, but you can, you can absolutely build an effective data privacy culture step by step by being thorough and disciplined about it. Great. Thanks for that, Stephen. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. And if our members want to read your book, or want to, want to get hold of a copy, can you let them know how, how can they do that? Absolutely. And thanks, Cathy. It's been a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yeah, there's a number of routes, obviously, directly from the publisher, Orpen Press, or you can order it via Eason, Amazon, or, or all good bookstores, really. So there's, there's plenty of options out there. Thanks, Stephen. And thanks to you for listening to the Compliance Files podcast brought to you by the Compliance Institute. I do hope that you find this podcast interesting and useful. We would be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast. And until the next episode, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. This year represents a significant milestone for Compliance Institute as it marks our 20th anniversary. In November 2002, over 80 financial services professionals got together with the goal of providing a network for compliance professionals and to provide a framework for meeting the upskilling needs for what was then an emerging discipline. 20 years later, with over 3,250 members, we are the premier provider of education and professional development in compliance, providing a balanced and authoritative voice on matters relating to regulatory compliance and business ethics in industry in Ireland. To find out more on what we have planned for this celebratory year, please visit our website, compliance.ie.